for years now without realizing it. What we did was create this beautiful archive where people can get curious about almost anything and find a little life lesson in it and start to sort of go down a rabbit hole of what interests me, what doesn't, what patterns do I see when I start to sort of unlock and let myself live with some childlike wonder and curiosity. Hello, and welcome to the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast, where every week you'll hear conversations with experts who are knee-deep in making the world a better place for us all. These people are tackling some of the world's most difficult problems, and still, they think the future is bright for us all. We need to see what they see. And I found that their insights will give us our own steps to take every week to thrive with more purpose and progress and optimism and find the connections we need to that better way of life, living with purpose. Hello, I'm Dr. Linda Ulrich, founder of Ever Widening Circle. Ever Widening Circles has been publishing articles about insight and innovation going uncelebrated since 2014. And today I have a very special guest. This is my co-founder, Liesl Ulrich Verderber. Liesl is my daughter an inspirational person well beyond the years that she's had on this planet. And she is going to bring so much joy and delight and insight to this topic of living with purpose today. So Liesl, welcome to the podcast. Hi, mom. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Liesl and I, get we see each other all the time. And of course, we're mother daughter. So we've got that whole thing going. But we've got kind of a unique scenario going on here today. In my recording, you might hear a slight buzzing and you might see behind me a lake and these are all oak hickory trees. I'm on the family farm in Illinois and Liesl is coming to us from our home in Vermont. So you're really getting the whole family gig going on here today. And, <laughs> and if the cicadas bother you in the background, just think of it as the, like the peaceful hum of Mother Nature. <laughs> Because I'm not going inside to record this. It's so gorgeous where I'm sitting. And it's so it's so delightful to have you share your insights with everyone. Because I get the benefit of your kind of like old soul wisdom all the time, Liesl. But I'm delighted that we're going to share with folks today what we know so far on our own journeys about finding a way that we can each share what we are uniquely built to contribute to the world. Mm-hmm. So... Start us off on a little journey here with this with this podcast interview. Liesl, tell us about what you see from where you stand about this. I think it's a very well underway shift in society. I think more and more people every day, all across the spectrum, age and generations, are really wanting to live with more purpose. So tell us, tell us your view of that landscape. Yeah, I think, you know, for the past, well, since 2014, Everwidening Google has been on this mission to talk about the people that are proving it's still an amazing world and, and changing the dialogue about our times. And I think what we found as we moved through that and as we started to understand the players and the, and the ecosystem around the conspiracy of goodness, we really found that the people that were so successful, the people that were a part of this conspiracy of goodness had found this unique way of living. They were living with purpose. They were living in a way that what they did when they woke up mattered, it had meaning. And in, in, in having that inside of themselves, they were able to create so much good for the world around them. I think there's such something so powerful and so incredible about people who are living with purpose because they are driven to do good in the world. 
And so we saw, we've been noticing this shift over time of people really becoming more and more compelled to, to live with purpose, to, to find meaning in what they do. And it's not a generational thing. We're really fortunate on our team to have people like yourself, mom, who are part of sort of the, the boomer generation, people my age who are millennials. Now we have Gen Zers on the team. And all of them, it's like we're in an era of this kind of consciousness. We're not in sort of, it's not a generational thing. It's not just like people who are turning, who are turning 50 all of a sudden want to live with purpose or people who are turning 28 all of a sudden wanting to live with purpose. No, it's this era. I think we're in this generational, I don't know, zeitgeist is a big word, but like this generational push towards living with purpose that is happening across the spectrum of ages. It's not just you know, compartmentalized to generation. And so I think we're really finding ways that we can help people live with purpose and do that through this desire to do good in the world. I think there's nothing more powerful. And I'm really excited that we are able to to move into that space and help other people do the same. So people have heard you utter <laughs> our, our three most favorite words, conspiracy of goodness, a few times. And, you know, new, new people to this podcast might be curious about why why we use that phrase so freely. So I'm going to quickly tell the story, the conspiracy of goodness. And I, then I want you to pontificate a little bit about it, how you see it going forward. So the phrase conspiracy of goodness comes from a story from World War II. There was this little town called Le Chambon, France, that managed to save 3,500 Jews from a nearby Nazi concentration camp. And at great risk to their own lives, and with no knowledge that each other was doing it, no organization, this little French village saved these thousands of people, most of them orphans, for years. So the expression conspiracy of goodness comes from this story. We found a, a rabbi, Harold Schulweiss, who was giving a talk in Europe in 1986 that he called the conspiracy of evil. And he tells that at the end of one of his talks, an old man stood up in the back of the room and said that he was one of the Dutch rescuers. And the old man asked, do you think I could have saved an entire family without the active participation of the milkman, the mailman, and the neighbors? No, the old man said, for every one person saved, there were seven who were rescuers. It was, he said, a conspiracy of goodness. So when I heard that expression, that, that little story, I it made sense to me what we've been writing about at Ever Widening Circles since 2014. Every one of our articles is about someone who looked at the world around them and said, this can't stand. And then they are doing something about it. That's everyone from the guy who fills potholes all on his own in India because he lost his son to a pothole accident to Topher White, who's figured out a way to save the remaining rainforest with old cell phones. So this conspiracy of goodness this podcast, this impulse that we are seeing so many people have, this is who we are. We are not what we see on the news and social media. Tell me who you think we are, Liesl. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things about the conspiracy of goodness that's really important, if we break down conspiracy and then goodness, we can leave out of the analysis. But, you know, conspiracy to start out with is, I think we found it to be, people think it's a very scary word, but the origins of the word are like con and spirare. So con is with, Inspirare is to breathe. So to be in a conspiracy together is to breathe together. And then if we look at the word goodness, I think goodness can be very wishy-washy, right? I think people just think that people are good or people are evil or whatever. But we think that goodness is the result of leaning into the power of human connection. It's an active word. 
And so we look at like to breathe together and then this active word of goodness, we have to breathe together in goodness. We have to be together in goodness if we want things to change, you know? And I think when we talk about the conspiracy of goodness, what's so important about it is, and I think so important about people that are on a journey to live with purpose because they're driven by goodness is that it's not something that feels good to do alone. You want to do it with other people, but very often it can feel like you're fighting this uphill or lonely battle. And when we talk to thought leaders, when we talk to people that are part of the conspiracy of goodness, this ecosystem of the conspiracy of goodness, what we find is that people feel very often very alone, right? It can feel like when you've got the barrage of the negative news or you've got the dinner table where everybody, all they can talk about is the terrible things happening in the world. If you fundamentally believe that the world is good and that you want to put goodness into the world, you can feel so alone, so beaten down by sort of the barrage of negativity. And so when we decided to put together the Conspiracy of Goodness and then the Conspiracy of Goodness Network, which is a social media platform that we have for people who are a part of this Conspiracy of Goodness, when we put that together, what we realized was that we didn't have to be working alone. There was no space before where we could all come together and not have to deal with sort of the negativity of social media. We were building our own social media platform, putting the social back in there and giving people a space to come together, to learn together, to talk to one another, to give advice to one another. That all of a sudden this loneliness factor started to go away and we were able to start networking with other people that just got what we did. And there's something so relieving about that as somebody who works in goodness is very often you get told no because you are working in goodness. And we think that needs to go away. If we need people to be successful, you need a community around you that's going to say yes and is going to throw their support behind you. And be multipliers for each mm-hmm. other's for each other's best impulses. That's one yes. of the things that I always say. You know, something that that is very important in the conspiracy of goodness story that you alluded to a moment ago is that I think if we look back at human history, the biggest leaps have been a conspiracy of goodness in that time. You know, there's a reason why gladiators aren't fighting each other in the Colosseum, because eventually that practice looked so kooky to many, many people that it just went away. Same with slavery and child labor and all these things. Eventually the weight of some of these really inhumane practices, yeah, yeah, the weight of the chaos they create in our own psyche becomes so big that it, it topples. And what gets us there are the people in the conspiracy of goodness of that time who refuse to participate, who start doing the opposite, who start being kinder than they need to be, who change division to discovery. So I really like to point out that this is the the people that are doing good in the world that we aren't hearing nearly enough about. This is the conspiracy of goodness of our times. We've reached the max (laughs) on what we can sustain in crazy craziness on social media and the volatility of the bad news. So now here we are, you and I, beginning a conversation that we hope spreads to the wider world about the fact that we each can play a role in what comes next. I do believe we're at a tipping point. What do you see from your vantage point about a tipping point? Yeah, I think we've been talking about this a lot as a team, um, this idea of why people are suddenly drawn to live with more purpose. And I think certainly the pandemic has been something that really pushes people to do some introspection that maybe made a lot of people sort of sit down and understand their life, or maybe they saw tragedy, or maybe they saw it with, they got close to seeing life's sort of volatility and preciousness in this past year. 
But I think overall, we are seeing this this movement of and a sense of urgency among people to start living with purpose. And I'm going to start with younger generations and move forward because I think there's something really cool that's happening there. So if you look at Gen Zers, right, they come to this sense of urgency to want to do good in the world because they see their world is on fire. They see a future that needs changing. They have to have a fierce sense of optimism about the future or else why is it worth changing, right? There is no future unless they can conceive it positively. And so you talk to Gen Zs, and younger people, this age of person that's coming out of college and is younger, and they have a sense of urgency about the world because they have to, right? They have a sense of urgency that is global. So I think there's something really interesting about this group of young people that's coming up that are now graduating from college, that are going into college with a different sense of purpose. And I think it's different than even myself when I graduated six, seven years ago. It's a, it's a whole different world a whole different ball game than what I saw when I was graduating. Like I said, just six, seven years ago, we didn't have that sense of urgency. So there's that kind of Gen Z, that younger person that, that just graduated in college and younger. And then you've got people who can I add a little bit in there. I've also noticed that some of the Gen Z influencers or people that I've been connected to very, very smart young people that have a real fire for what's possible. I noticed that they want to be net contributors. There is so much bad, bad things being said about the Gen Z, but I think completely the opposite. I think that the fact that they're digital natives is going to make them run circles around the bad actors and mm-hmm. they will create the world that they want for themselves. So I'm all in on Gen Z. I think that they, they are going to save the day. Right. And I think it's really important that we have a generation that is thinking so globally because it's, that's not always, that's always the case when it comes to, to how we're thinking. And I'm so glad that we have a group of people who are not necessarily so focused on self. I know that people a lot of the time do knock Gen Zers for being focused on self, but I really don't think a lot of them are. I think they are so focused on bigger, broader issues that I know we weren't thinking about when I was that young, just six years ago. So then I think we move into this next generation, this sort of, we would call them millennials. They're kind of in their late twenties, maybe early mid thirties. They're really in that kind of slice of life where they've done the nine to five for a long time. They've seen what there is to see. And now they're kind of ready to, they feel a sense of urgency about finding themselves and finding purpose. Maybe they're looking at the horizon of work-life balance when it comes to even having a family. And that sense of urgency is really deep that they want to live with purpose because they want to either raise a family with purpose. They saw how their parents lived and they want to live with more purpose. They don't just want to retire to the golf course or live, you know, live for the weekend. They really want to live with a sense that every day they're doing something that's pushing towards something bigger. And so there are people that are trying to live with purpose and goodness that are in the millennial generation because they're kind of done with that nine to five feeling. And then of course, there are what we call like the neck the second climbers and mom, you're, you're proudly a part of the second climbing crew. And those are people that are either heading towards retirement age or in retirement age. And are really looking at that next step of life. Maybe they're done with the raising kids part of life and they have accrued all this knowledge through their years and years of work. I think about you, mom, you accrued a lot of knowledge about how to connect with people and about how to see and work with people. And you've seen people's lives close up and how they've developed over the course of 30 years. I mean, you think about who is the practitioner that you see most in the health sphere. It's your dentist. You see them every six months or you should. I'm required to say that. Um, but 
you look at this and they really want to be net contributors too, just like the Gen Zers, but they're looking at this like, Hey, I have so much knowledge and I'm at sort of the, I don't want to say this in a bad way where I'm towards the end of my contributing years. And I want to, before I go, I want to contribute something big. I want to be a part of something. I want to hand off to the next generation, something good, or rather I want to make sure that I'm handing off something good. And so I see, I think what you're seeing is this overall all at the same time. And I think there's a ton of contributing factors to that, but across generations, we are seeing, seeing this sense of urgency that people have to live with purpose and do good while they live with purpose. And I think that that is really incredible. And something that we can all stand behind. I think there's a lot of talk right now about these generational rifts, but I think we're seeing a generational shift towards something much, much more positive. And I think that we need everyone's wealth of knowledge. We need the energy of the Gen Zers, the wisdom of the the sort of baby boomer generation. And we need the sense of urgency and knowledge, like this, this hard work skill level that the millennials and Gen Xers have to sort of be that middle ground. So I think that there is such a wonderful shift happening right now, not about to happen. It's happening right now that people can get on board with it if only they knew where to start. All right. So that is a really great synopsis of the different places that people find themselves on what I consider like a journey. Mm -hmm. Like I was giving some thought this morning over coffee, sitting here looking at what my dad created on this family farm in his years. It was a journey. You know, Mm -hmm. he aspired to something way bigger than himself. And that's what can be ahead of us if we stop accepting the status quo. Mm -hmm. This is really the bottom line. You know, yesterday we were talking, I'd love for you to share a little bit of the insights about that. We recognize that along this journey that we're on to, to matter, to find how we matter, to find what we are uniquely built to contribute, that just doesn't pop up. I mean, I thought I was doing what I was uniquely built to contribute. I was a dentist using computers to fix teeth in 2003. I mean, that was 1% of dentists in 2003. Gosh, if that wasn't my calling, what was? But it wasn't. It wasn't. I learned that everything that came before 2014 was necessary to make me ready for actually my calling, which was starting this movement to prove that it is still an amazing world with ever-widening circles and everything that we're doing now. So if this is a journey, can you share with us those four stages that we think may resonate with people somewhere along the way. They're, they're probably on a journey. If, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably hoping that there's something beyond that nine to five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we look at the journey, it really is a journey, right? I don't think anybody, there's no end point, really. I think we maybe have this destination where we're going to go in mind, but I really think that we've started referring to it as a roadmap, right? Like we need to find a roadmap for living with purpose, right? I think otherwise, myself included, I feel like we're very ungrounded. We're just kind of like searching in the dark, you know, a roadmap. And so we have sort of positioned on this roadmap. There are sort of four mile markers that we think people are are on. And and the first one is the searching part of, of this journey, right? It's that starting with realizing like, hey, I'm uncomfortable where I am right now. This is not where I'm meant to be. And sometimes that strikes you in a day. You're like instantly... Like, oh my God, this is not what I'm meant to be doing. Or it creeps up on you and suddenly you realize that you're overwhelmed. The work that you've been doing for years is not what you want to be doing, or it's not fulfilling you the same way anymore. So you find yourself in this searching mode. And I think the searching mode is the most interesting one for us because you and I, when we were building ever widening circles, we're really in that searching mode, right? It's 
you have, and if you're in the searching mode, this is the biggest, my biggest tip if you're in the searching mode is that you have to just follow your curiosity, right? Like I think that so many of us, I was talking to somebody yesterday and, and he said to me, when you grow up, some part of you never changes. There's some part of you that is fundamentally you that no matter your life experiences, no matter who you are, you're born with some sense of self and that stays there. And sometimes you put up lots of shields to protect it and you kind of forget that it exists. Or sometimes everybody in the world says, laughs at your love of entomology or etymology and bugs or words. And you start to like put that piece of you aside, but there is some part of you that is there that has always been you. And that is the first place to start when you're trying to live with purpose. And I think the best way to unlock that is to follow your curiosity, right? Start engaging with stuff that you used to love as a kid. Maybe it's bugs, maybe it's words, maybe it's the pharaohs, right? Start engaging with that who you were as a young person and follow your curiosity. You know, we have so many articles in ever widening circles, like what, 2000 articles almost now. And so many of them are driven by curiosity for years now without realizing it. What we did was create this beautiful archive where people can get curious about almost anything and find a little life lesson in it and start to sort of go down a rabbit hole of what interests me, what does it, what patterns do I see when I start to sort of unlock and let myself live with some childlike wonder and curiosity. And I hate calling it childlike because it should be adult-like, but we we lose it at some point, but live with that sense of curiosity. I think that's the strongest thing we can do is start there when we're in this learning, when we're in this searching stage, when we just, we know something is wrong. So that's, yeah, mom, that's, that's, <laughs> that to me is the first mile marker of, of this journey. I hate to interject, but I just have to say, because that childlike mindset is so important to the journey. You have to have that beginner's mindset. Remember how you stumbled and fell how many times, you know, walked along the edge of the, the uh, couch or whatever till you could run. I mean, it, we, no one goes from crawling to running. And I love that the people that can have a beginner's mindset, just be open to anything, leave the baggage of what you used to think was important or true or all those things. That beginner's mindset, that being open like a child is. I think the wisdom of four-year-olds is hilarious. If you've, This is one of the recommendations I give people. If you've ever got a really perplexing problem, pose it in some way to a five-year-old and see what they say. And they're going to give you... They're going to give you this perspective that you probably need to be here. So I just wanted to interject that there's no apologies for being in the searching mode. And Ever Widening Circles obviously is a great place to start to just follow that beginner's mindset. Yeah. And and again, like it goes back to curiosity and there is nothing childish about childlike wonder. Like, and I, again, I hate to say that it's, it's relegated just to children. I think we need to make a shift to making it about everybody, but that's that first, that's that first milepost is the searching one. So if you're there, if you're feeling uncomfortable in the situation you're in, if, if the past year has made you feel differently, if your past lived experiences are making you feel differently and suddenly you're like, oh, wow, I need to do something different. Start with curiosity. If, if you need some list to start, pick up the book that you're interested in, pick up the crack open your favorite piece of literature and just read that page. Just start somewhere you're comfortable with and it'll spark curiosity the next place. So that's that's number one. And the second one is learning. And it's a little bit different than curiosity. So curiosity is like a free-for-all. Just get curious. Just go everywhere. No one is listening. No one is watching. No one is learning. And no one is 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 judging, I should say. And don't judge yourself. 
let yourself be free. The learning stage is now, okay, I've honed in a little bit closer. Like, gosh, I used to love writing. Writing is what I used to do. It's, it's what people told me I was good at. It's what I love doing. I think I'm going to follow some writing. So now I'm in the learning mode, right? So now maybe it's on me to go read some author, reread some authors that I love. Go reread Bill Bryson. Go reread David Sedaris. Go find out if those people have master classes. Go find out if those people have, have courses. Go find out if I can go learn from people that I loved learning, that I love learning from. So this learning stage is really about, okay, now I've honed in. Now I want to see how other people are doing it, right? You haven't gotten to the stage where maybe you feel comfortable saying, all right, I'm going to commit fully to this way of living, but you're just kind of still absorbing, but now you're absorbing in a direction, if that makes any sense. So learning state is absorbing in a direction, maybe seeing how other people who are living with purpose, what models are they using? Did they quit their nine to five or did they find a way to do it on the side? Did they start a foundation or did they start a business, right? This learning mode is really all about finding out what works and what doesn't for you and starting to to dig in a little bit more about those things that you found yourself curious in. The other thing I've noticed about that learning stage, and I've talked to many thought leaders who who give a lot of advice on this podcast, go back, drop into anyone, and you'll see they're moving us in this direction. Curate your incoming. Mm -hmm. This is what you start doing when you go from searching. There's this this Gwyneth Paltrow who's on a search, obviously, she's searching. She's got a new guru every so often. And they might be fine people and it might be great, great ways of thinking, but she's constantly turning through those gurus. But when you're in the learning mode, it's a good thing to start asking really good questions about your incoming. What's coming your way? What are you, what are you gravitating towards? And start leaving things out. Mm-hmm. I interviewed one of the thought leader who's really into body image. And she said one of the most important steps when she was in the learning mode was unfollowing. Mm-hmm. people that gave her a little bit of a, you know, just a bad feeling in the pit of her stomach. Anybody that left her feeling not good about herself or any anything that she was connected to, if if it wasn't leaving her feeling elevated, she unfollowed. A few people asked her about it and she just said, sorry, but, you know, I'm curating my incoming. So I really like that concept in the learner mode. You start to gravitate towards other people. Maybe mm-hmm. the people that were in your circles in your search mode are not having that great impact on your life. So I think that's something that's, that the influencers and I mean the uh, thought leaders I've talked to have really shared with me is that that learning mode, you get good at curating what brings out the best in you and what brings out the worst in you. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. So the, the mileposts that we've gone through so far are searching, learning, and then we have this growing or expanding part of, of the milepost. And this one I I think is really great because suddenly you kind of feel like, okay, now I can take what I've been learning. Now I know what I'm curious about. I've found, found what I'm curious about. I've elevated my passion to some place that I feel comfortable enough being able to give back. And now I'm ready to take that next step of really doing it, right? So again, this doesn't have to look like quit your job, move to the rainforest and start saving it. There's so many different models. This is why this podcast is so great and why articles where we feature people who have found community and purpose and started all kinds of different organizations and businesses and movements. This is why it's so important is there's no one way. If you're living with purpose, it should be the best way for you. And I think that's really important in all of this. There's no one single person that's going to have the answer. There's no single model that's going to work for you. It's going to be different because your purpose-driven life 
is unique to you. It is because you have lived a very unique set of life circumstances, right? So this growing stage is really the place where you start to do a little bit of self-work. So you've learned a lot and now you can do some self-work. You can say, okay, I think it's time for me to maybe start a business or maybe it's time for me to start organizing for my community gardens or whatever it is, right? So this growing stage is really about stepping, going from the knowledge to the doing. And stepping into the knowledge to like working on things. And for that, we really see this, there's still a learning element that comes of it, but maybe it's a little bit more about like working on a sense of self, right? Like, okay, how am I going to fit this all together? How am I going to get my work-life balance? And again, that learning about that comes from, and doing that comes from getting your learning stage down. It's almost like a rocket, right? You wouldn't like let the rocket take off if it's sideways, right? So the learning stage really gets you your launch pad and then the growing stage, expanding stage, you could say the launching phase is really, okay, now I'm ready. I've got all the learning in place and now I can kick off. And the growing stage, that's going to be a different level. I could say that ever widening circles for a long time was in that growing stage. It was in that stage of like, gather the connections, build the website, start the thing over here, start the thing over there, just do it, right? So many things going on. We were in the growing stage for so long. And that was such a fun, it's like, it's the most fun time. You feel like you're really creating a lot. And so the growing stage can feel a little bit different to a lot of different people, but it's really a time when you start to dig into expertise. You start to ask people, okay, what do you recommend for time management? Do you have any people that you think work well for, you know, how do I launch a business or whatever it is? This is when you start to know what you're going to do and you work on how to get there, right? I'm going to interrupt just a minute because we've got to take a break before you go through the fourth one and talk about something really wonderful that we're doing in October that addresses all three of those first ones. So let's take a break for a moment and we'll hear about this. It's an exciting thing. And then we come back, we'll talk about that fourth level. Do you thrive on learning from and collaborating with others for the good that's in the world? And becoming a better version of yourself, both personally and professionally, every day, we have built something just for you. The Conspiracy of Goodness Network. You can be a part of the first networking platform that prioritizes personal and professional growth as we work together to make the world a better place. The Conspiracy of Goodness Network is a vetted platform of entrepreneurs, creatives, and professionals who are committed to making the future brighter for us all, people like you. On the network, you can ask questions and find help with projects, share trusted resources, request and attempt workshops, expand your network of thought leaders, and learn from the experience of others to catalyze your work, interests, and passion projects. This is a place where all of us who are doing something to improve the world, large and small, can flourish. The $35 a month membership fee includes attendance to exclusive monthly happiness hours, where you can hear from amazing speakers and influencers. It includes participation in monthly community challenges that will improve your own life and the world around you. You'll have access to the network's mentor match service to grow exponentially in your insight and decision-making. And you'll get automatic discounts on all of our courses and events. So join us, co-conspirators for goodness around the world. Those who are doing anything they can to make the world a better place are coming together on this network to collaborate, 
and it is time we find each other. Go to conspiracyofgoodnessnetwork.com for a simple three-step questionnaire to apply to be a member today. Let's connect, collaborate, and change the future. Okay, we're back. All right, so now we have this landscape of discovery that people are traveling through where they might be in searching mode, they might be in learning mode, or they might be in growth expansion mode where they're starting to connect with others and just do things. Tell us about the fourth mode before we before we finish our conversation. And Liesl, I'm going to have to say now, I think we'll have part two of this conversation soon. I agree. I agree. Okay, so give so- us the fourth. The fourth one here is the connecting stage. And I think this one is the one that you get to the point where you have done all you can on your own and now you cannot succeed without a community. I think that is the biggest thing we have learned is when going gets tough, when the fourth person has ripped you off on whatever it is and you need some place to turn, you feel super alone. It's like you're at the edge, you're, you're at the quitting point. You're like living with purpose you know, screw it. I'm going back to like whatever I was doing before. When you're at those tough times, you need community. You need a place to connect. You need to have a way to fall back on people. Who do you fall back on? And I think very often working in goodness, it's like we said at the top, if I'm working in goodness and all the people that I have are just And I love the business community. We're business owners. But sometimes you fall back onto the traditional business community and they're like, well, you know, you have to do this and you have to do that. And it it breaks the fundamental principles of why you are doing what you're doing. And sometimes those are things that you need to hear, especially if you're running a business, you can't be successful and you can't keep doing good if you can't keep the business open. But very often you're met with sort of this, oh, that's a nice project or rolled eyes or, oh, you're seeing the world through rose-colored glasses or like, do you really need to go save those otters or whatever it is. And after the fifth or sixth time of doing that, you need somebody to fall back on. You need the community to support you so that you can feel elevated. And like you were saying, well, they will be multipliers for the work that you're doing. Plus, I have to share an insight that a 17-year-old thought leader shared with me. He said, by the way, don't go asking your folks, your parents, your brothers and sisters, your family members, what you should do next. If you're out there, if you're following your passion, because your calling isn't theirs. They will probably give you very bad advice, actually, because <laughs> they have their own calling that they're either pursuing or not. So it's really back to the community. What you're saying is super important. And in fact, you've started a community, a social network. Can you tell, as we wrap up today, can you tell people where they can find these kindred spirits in goodness? Yeah. So I think one of the best places, if, if you feel like, okay, I think I'm in the searching mode. I think I've been learning and the growing. If you feel like you're in that connecting mode and even a little bit in the growing mode, I think it's a good transition space for you. You know, we did start the Conspiracy of Goodness Network at the beginning of the year this year. We launched the Conspiracy of Goodness Network. And that network is a space where you can connect with other people who are in this connecting phase and and are are going from the growing phase to the connecting phase. This is a place for people who are in, who are part of this ecosystem of the Conspiracy of Goodness. They are ready to start doing more good in the world. They are ready to start living with purpose. And there we host monthly events. We host seasonal challenges that are worked towards making the world a better place. And most importantly, it's a place where you can ask a question like, Hey, I need a web developer. Who do I ask? You know, if you're really, really serious about doing good in the world, then you're doing that through an organization, a movement, a nonprofit, whatever it is, 
we've got the community there who can support you, who has done it before and can you can ask advice to. And we didn't want to put it on a social media platform like Facebook or LinkedIn. We needed we wanted our own place so that the negativity of those places, the pat myself on the back because I did a good job of those places went away and we could really see how each one of us has a piece of the puzzle that we can donate or or let someone borrow for their puzzle so we can really kind of create this complete landscape together. So that's a little bit for the Conspiracy of Goodness Network. And this year, we have a really cool way of connecting with that. We are hosting our second annual Conspiracy of Goodness Summit, this year themed Live With Purpose. And as a part of getting, getting your ticket, you also get to be a member of the Conspiracy of Goodness Summit up until December. So uh, the sooner you get your ticket, the more months that you get to be a part of the Conspiracy of Goodness Network and check it out, start connecting with people. It's going to be an absolutely incredible summit this year. We've got a lineup of, I think we've got seven speakers coming and sorry, six speakers coming. I think it's six. I got to do my math again. We got six amazing guests coming and each one of them is on this purpose-driven journey. They have either fallen quickly into it. They have done it over the course of their lives. There are so many interesting ways that you can find yourself on this journey. And we are so excited to welcome people of all part of that, of that journey to help us develop our own personal roadmaps to living with purpose. And then again, I think one of the best things about any kind of summit, any kind of event is you get very excited. You have a lot of energy about it. And then you go home and you're like, well, who do I share this with? And this year we are, we're opening up the conspiracy of goodness network. So you don't have to feel alone after that. You can take the energy, take the excitement and put it towards something great. So you can, you can go check that out at Cog Summit, C-O-G-S-U-M-M-I-T.com. You can see our speakers there and then grab your tickets and join us over on the Conspiracy of Goodness Network. All right. So we have to continue this dialogue. I want, I want to share that the Conspiracy of Goodness Network is really for anybody who's recognized their search, that they're on the journey, that they need to get on the journey. So it's a place where you'll find people like you who want the world to be a better place and they'll be at all levels. And I thank you for being the inspiration for that because that that is Liesl's brainchild and she's nurturing that. You know, you're part of the conspiracy of goodness of our times, Liesl, by putting your you. youthful energy and your wisdom to this job of opening a new era for everyone. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And I already, I recognized 15 minutes ago that we're going to have to break this into two episodes. So people should look for part two of my interview with Liesl. For more information about anything she said, the show notes are going to be down here. It's an ever widening circles article. So it's written beautifully. Um, you can also check out the video on YouTube. And remember to check out the Conspiracy of Goodness Network and Ever Widening Circles. The articles there are going to make your heart sore. It is still an amazing world. You can get there at ewc.co, Ever Widening Circles. And I hope these connections to goodness and progress carry you through the coming week. And we'll talk to Liesl next week with a follow-up and more detail about your own journey to find meaning and purpose and make the world a little bit better place. Thank you.